we've been kind of looking here at this uh, part about knowing the will of God, um, walking wisely in an evil day that we live. And Paul is going to kind of add to that uh, about us walking wisely, knowing the will of the Lord. And he continues it uh, with a conjunction saying, and do this, as uh, we'll see here in Ephesians 5.18. Uh, growing up, how many of you remember watching the uh, uh, the uh, show called Home Improvement? Remember that with Tim Allen? More power, <laughs> you know, that guy. Um, you know, always sitting there saying, you know, the lawnmower's not good enough for two horsepower. I need to put like a V8 engine on it and all that kind of stuff. You know, need more power, more power, all this stuff. And, you know, um, Thinking about that, we as believers in Christ, if you know Christ is your Savior, there was a time that you repented of your sin and you believed the gospel for Christ and you trusted him and him alone for salvation, uh, then the Bible commands us to actually live a life of power, to have power in our life, to be full of the Holy Spirit is what uh, Paul talks about here in Ephesians chapter number 5. But where does the believer in Christ get their power to live? I mean, what does the, what does the believer in Christ use to overcome temptation in their life? Uh, struggling with certain types of sins and frustrations and, and uh, difficulties and letdowns in life. Where do we get our power in order to do that? Uh, how do we keep from manifesting the deeds of the flesh is what uh, Paul talks about in uh, the book of Galatians. And specifically here in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, where does the believer find the source to find, uh, to be able to walk wisely in this world, uh, to uh, be able to know the will of the Lord uh, in an evil day that, uh, that we kind of face? You know, um, no doubt, I, I believe that many of us can say a lot of different things. We could say prayer, we could say Bible reading, we could say all kinds of those things, and all those things are true. Um, but specifically in this verse that we're going to look at here uh, in Ephesians 5:18, Paul commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And I believe that being filled with the Spirit is vital for every follower of Jesus Christ. Um, we, we need to understand this practice. Uh, having, having the power to, uh, of the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary to follow Jesus. Uh, Jesus said in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me, listen to this, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can't have a vibrant relationship with God. You can't have a Christ-centered marriage. You can't uh, live the Christian life apart from Christ. It's an impossibility. So we need uh, Christ, we need his abiding uh, uh, spirit in us constantly. And so this is what is so awesome about our relationship with Christ is that he promised us to send us the Holy Spirit um, to help us in our walk with him. In John 14, 16 through 17, uh, he told his disciples, Then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he resides with you and will be in you. 
So the Christian life must be lived by being spirit-filled. To walk wisely, to redeem the time in these evil days, to know what the will of the Lord is, uh, we must be filled with the Spirit. And so Paul here in Ephesians 5, he's going to give us some things here about walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, what that means, um, how, how we actually apply that uh, in our life. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So let's examine this verse in a little bit more detail here in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse number 18. What he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now before we really dive into what it means to be filled with the Spirit, we have this command issued before us. And basically what he says, do not get drunk with wine. That's a command. And it is a sin to be drunk because he says it's debauchery. Now, the Bible does not forbid all use of alcoholic beverages, but it does strongly warn about the dangers of alcohol. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 1, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29, and also through verse uh, 35. Now, we're not going to go into if a, if, a, if a Christian can or cannot drink because that's not the emphasis of this verse here because he's talking about being filled with the Spirit. But this word here, debauchery, look what he says. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. The word debauchery means to be wasted. It points to the wastefulness and the destruction of property, relationships, and life that often go along with drunkenness. It means to be out of control. And those that are drunk are controlled by the alcohol. They are out of control. And alcohol can be a very addictive substance. And that is why the Bible here warns about the danger of alcohol. In Galatians chapter 5.21, it tells us that drunkenness is a deed of the flesh. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And perhaps there might be some uh, people here today that uh, maybe um, you're not a believer in Christ and, and maybe your life is controlled by alcohol. And for that, I say to you that only Jesus Christ and Christ alone can break you of that bondage. And so you need to turn to him and uh, receive Christ as your savior uh, but that's not to say that some Christians themselves do not, are not exempt from this temptation. I mean, you think about it, you think about the world in which we live in. I mean, that's what Paul was talking about, the evil days that are around us. And I believe that as a Christian, sometimes uh, people may uh, use alcohol in a form to kind of cope with the, with the evil days that are going around them. And uh, so maybe they take a drink here, a drink there, just to kind of unwind, relax. Uh, but sometimes that's why the, there's a warning against alcohol that if we're not careful, uh, we can become addicted to that and we can start using it instead of relying upon Jesus 
for our peace and Jesus for the one that can help us through our difficult times, we start relying upon the alcohol uh, to help us through that. So Paul very uh, emphatically warns here, do not get drunk uh, with wine. Uh, Psalm 94, 19 uh, tells us, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So if you are a believer in Jesus, in order to live in this evil world and walk wisely, redeeming the time, knowing what the will of the Lord is, you must be spirit-filled. Don't use alcohol as a, uh, a way to try to cope and try to understand what's going on in the world. Instead, be spirit-filled is what uh, Paul is commanding us here. So now let's see what being spirit-filled actually means. So don't get drunk with wine, but secondly, what is the filling of the Spirit? Now, knowing that we have a lot of different backgrounds here, um, I understand that we all, myself included, uh, have had teachings on the Spirit, what, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, what, uh, what the filling of the Spirit is. And what I'd like for us to do is I just want to give us some scriptural teaching here is what the Bible says, uh, not what a personality says, not what uh, a certain denomination says, but what does the Bible say of what the, the filling of the Spirit actually is? So what is the filling of the Spirit? Well, number one, to be filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit as you yield to Him. And Paul uses this as an example of the alcohol. Because he says, just as the person that's filled with wine is under the influence or control of the wine, so is the person who is under control or filled with the Spirit. And so Paul here is talking here primarily about a condition in increasing spiritual maturity. Not about a momentary experience here. And so as believers, we should be seeking to be constantly be living under the Spirit's control in our life. Uh, in Acts chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible tells us about Barnabas. And Barnabas was described as a man, it says here, that he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So the phrase here, full of the Holy Spirit, describes a person who habitually lives with every area of his life under the control of the Spirit. He's not a self-willed man, but a Spirit-controlled man. And the fullness of the Spirit does not mean that he once had a dramatic experience, but rather that he is consistently walking in the Word, walking with the Spirit, yielding his life to the control of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that uh, when we yield ourselves to, that he is the one that, that makes it possible for us to actually live in this world the way that he desires for us to live. Secondly, to be Spirit-filled means that at times God gives us power for special times. Uh, let's turn over to the book of Acts here real quick. I want to show you a few verses here out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 2, uh, verse number 4. Uh, God gave the Holy Spirit to the church um, 
There was an outpouring of the Spirit here in the book of Acts, and it was for special times, for, for, for certain times. Uh, here in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, look what it says here. And they were all what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, Peter here, he, he preaches and, and 3,000 people come to know Christ. I mean, that was, a, that was a filling of the Spirit here. Look at Acts chapter uh, 4, verse number 8. Look what he says here. Acts 4, 8, he says, Then Peter, again, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders... Uh, without any indication here that, that there was a, uh, a losing of the filling of the Spirit, it says that Peter was again filled with the Spirit. And so he was filled again just before he speaks to another crowd. And it was a special anointing uh, for a special task. Look at Acts chapter uh, 4, verse number 31. Look what he says here. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness, Peter and John gathered church to report about uh, the rest that had taken place. And after that they had prayed, the, the, they were filled with the Spirit of God and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness because that's something that they actually uh, prayed for. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse number 17. Look what he says here. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul was filled with the Spirit just after his conversion here when Ananias spoke with him. And then one more, look at Acts chapter uh, 13, verse number 9. Interesting one here, on Paul's first missionary journey, he confronts a, a, a Lamus, the magician, and it says here, verse uh, number 9, uh, Acts 13, it says, But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit here, and he speaks and he confronts this uh, magician. Uh, and so he was... The Lord used the Holy Spirit in his life, filled him with the Holy Spirit uh, for that special purpose during that time. So as we are yielding our lives to the Spirit's control, the Spirit at times will grant us on special occasions where we need a major portion or an extra helping of the Holy Spirit. And he fills us uh, for that uh, time. So here's a few things of what the filling of the Spirit is not. The filling of the Spirit is not the same as the baptism of the Spirit or the sealing of the Spirit. Uh, there are in some Christian circles that there's a teaching that you must have a baptism of the Spirit in order to be, uh, I guess, have extra power or whatever. Um, but the Bible teaches us uh, that in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that all believers are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ at the moment of salvation, not after their salvation. He says, for in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. We also find that all believers are indwelled by the Holy Spirit from the moment of conversion. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, 
if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And all believers are sealed with the Spirit at the moment that they are saved. Uh, just alone here, if you turn back over here to uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1.13, Paul makes mention of this. He says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Again, also in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So here we find that God does something. He baptizes us into the body of Christ at the moment of our salvation. He seals us with the Holy Spirit uh, for our salvation. But this filling of the Spirit is something that we as believers need to be seeking out. Because uh, that's why Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the filling of the Spirit is not a one-time thing that will elevate you to a euphoric spiritual status. There are teachings that being filled with the Spirit is a one-time dramatic experience that will transport you to a higher spiritual plane. Sometimes this is presented as arriving at a, at a, at a place where sin no longer touches you or where uh, you're no longer tempted by sin anymore. Now, I do believe that Paul was a spirit-filled man. Would you agree with that? But yet Paul himself said, the things that I do are the things that I don't want to do. I mean, he, could, he had a hard time figuring all of this out. And so the filling of the spirit is not a one-time thing uh, that happens. Paul struggled with setbacks, difficulties, frustrations, temptations, sin. Thirdly, the filling of the Spirit is not an irrational, emotional experience. Uh, there has been teachings that the filling of the Spirit can allow you to have trips to heaven. Uh, it's included accounts of people barking like dogs, laughing uncontrollably, or lying in a catonic state for hours, or even going on for days upon days. Um, I have yet to find any biblical support for any of that type of teaching. But God's word commands us and tells us to be filled with the Spirit. So the filling of the Spirit is yielding our lives to His control. So that's what the filling of the Spirit is. Now look here, thirdly, how to be filled with the Spirit. I believe there are two primary things that are necessary to be filled with the Spirit here. Um, you're here in the book of Ephesians, and I want to show you a, I want to show you a, a parallel passage here that uh, we find here out of Colossians 3.16, verse through 20. Now, I want you to follow along here. If you're here in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse number 18, and I want you to see the parallels here between these two passages because God's word is actually going to show us how to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, if we're supposed to be yielding our lives to him, well, how exactly do we do that? Well, it tells us here in the book of Colossians, and we're going to see this. So here out of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18, and as you go through, because it's, it's one continual thought. So he tells us to be filled with the Spirit, and then he tells us how we'll know that we are filled with the Spirit, because he talks here in uh, verse 19 about addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
Verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to the God and the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, that we're submitting to one another out of reverence. Then he talks about wives and husbands as being spirit-filled. And then he continues going on all the way through chapter 6 about children and even our relationship with uh, those that are our, uh, our bosses or masters, I guess you would say. But look at this parallel passage here in Colossians 3, 16 through 20. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdoms. There it is. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. Giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything. For this pleases the Lord. So these passages, they, they parallel each other. And so if we are going to be spirit-filled, how do we do that? This is the key. Live in the word. That's how we do it. There's one phrase that is different between this passage out of Ephesians and this passage out of here out of Colossians. And it's this phrase, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Instead of saying, being filled with the spirit, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled with the Spirit. How do I do that? Let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. So the word-filled Christian is a Spirit-filled Christian. So if we're going to be Spirit-filled, we must allow the word of God to be primary in our lives. We submit to it, obey it, and allow it to change us. That is why it is so important to test every spirit by the word of God. So if you say, I'm going to be a spirit-filled Christian and I'm going to follow the spirit, great. I am, I am thankful that, that you want to follow the Lord in that, in that way. But if you're not allowing the word of God to dwell in you richly, then I would strongly warn you to test the spirit to know if that's really what God is telling you to do. So we must be submitting to the word and allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Secondly, confess sin and desire to live a life of obedience to the word. If you desire to be filled with the spirit of God, he will not fill a dirty vessel. It won't happen. 1 John 1, 9 reminds us if we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So we need to be yielding ourselves over to the Spirit. How do we do that? By allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. We confess our sin. We're not using our bodies for sinful purposes. But we're using them and yielding them for the Spirit's control. So how to be filled with the Spirit. That's how we do it. 
Here's the last thing, fourthly. How do I know if I am spirit-filled? I believe surely if God has given us a command to follow, then he would want us to know if we are actually doing that. And so here's two things that how we can know if we are filled with the Spirit. Number one, the filling of the Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit. The Christian life is a life of step-by-step growth. There's no doubt, I mean, if, if you have this thinking that everybody in here is perfect, that's wrong. That's the reason why I put on the sign out there, sinners welcome, you know? We, all of us here, might be in different stages of our Christian growth. And so it's a step-by-step process. So it's not a matter of, well, that person's been saved for X amount of years, because a person can be saved for X amount of years and not be filled with the Spirit. The question is, is not how long I have been saved. The question is, am I producing the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Am I yielding my life over to the Spirit's control? So the fruit of the Spirit will be be produced by the filling of the Spirit. There's uh, uh, nine fruits that are listed uh, in the book of Galatians, chapter number five. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And uh, Paul gives us here in Galatians chapter 5 the difference between a spirit-filled life and a life that is filled with the spirit. Listen to what he says in uh, Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, People that have been... uh, brought under temptations and under sin and have, have become in bondage under sin, um, it's possibly because they are walking by the flesh. They are not walking by the spirits. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, he says, you are not under the law The acts of the flesh are obvious. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, An awesome book uh, that I have. Uh, It's called uh, Keeping in Step with the Spirit. I I believe it's uh, by J.I. Packer, but it's uh, it's an awesome book. Um, So we need to be producing the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we'll know if we are being Spirit-filled. Secondly, a Spirit-filled life will be evident with worship, thankfulness, and godly relationships. Um, the verses that are following here that Paul mentions here out of Ephesians 5:18 and following 
He talks about our worship, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to the God and the Father, name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how do we know if we're a spirit-filled church? If we're following those things. And so the question that I have for you, question that I have to ask myself, am I a spirit-filled Christian? Not did I, not did I complete all the check boxes today of I went to church and somebody asked me how I was doing. I said, oh, great. And, you know, not completing the check boxes, but am I a spirit-filled Christian? according to the word. If not, then I need to examine myself and bring myself under the submission and the authority of the word of God and submit myself to him. Is this church a spirit-filled church? You know, our, our phrase that we, we say here is desiring his presence and making his presence known. So if we desire the Holy Spirit's presence, if we're going to make the Holy Spirit's presence known, uh, I would have to say that hopefully we're going to be a spirit-filled church. How are we going to do that? By submitting ourselves to the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to be the one that we submit to. Let's pray together.